Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. If you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. Keep your hands to yourself. Treat others as you would want to be treated. All of these are common phrases used among young kids. Kids four, five, six years old, even teenagers. And they will see that in fact, words hurt. Actions matter. And harming others, whether physically or emotionally, it matters. How we treat others matters. And when we get hurt, that sting, it can last for a very, very long time. We hold grudges. We gain enemies. Now there are some throughout history who may say that an enemy is simply impossible. Impossible to take place, impossible to have. For an enemy, by definition, is someone hated rather than loved. So we just need to love everyone, and then there won't be any enemies. In history, the Pelagians of every generation would insist that enemies can be loved if only people would try harder. Others will opt for more spiritualized interpretations of what it means to love an enemy. Today, we're going to take a look at what Jesus says about how we are to treat others, specifically how we are to treat our enemies. I'm gonna read our scripture early today. Stand with me as you are able in honor of God's word. We are going to be in Luke chapter six. Again, we are spending a couple of weeks in the Sermon on the Plain. So Luke chapter six, beginning in verse 27. Luke chapter six, verse 27 today. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Every sinner lends to sinners, expecting to be paid in, in full. But rather, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. This is the word of our Lord, and as the people of God, we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. So last week, we began our series on the plain in Luke chapter 6. We began with the Beatitudes, or the blessings and the woes, if you will. We began to see and to understand that Jesus preaches of this grand leveling of the societal plane. He preaches the elevation of the poor and the outcast, while the lowering of the rich and the self-righteous. 
Today, we continue with that theme of the great reversal and what it means to live according to the culture of the kingdom of God. But now, our attention turns to this new command. This new command is to love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. Yet another heavy task, coming off the heels of rejoice when people curse you, take joy when people make fun of you. If you're coming to church today to not be challenged, I suggest you walk out those doors right now or go ahead and turn off your ears for the next 25 minutes because the push to go beyond what is comfortable is gonna take place right here, right now. Jesus, he has a series of four commands about how we are to treat and those who we consider to be our enemies, those who hate us, those that we have negative feelings towards, those who have hurt us. He commands that we are to love them, to treat them well, to bless them, and to pray for them. We are to care for them, to treat them with respect and genuine love. We are to pray for God's blessings, his favor and protection over all those whom we consider to be enemies, those who have hurt us in ways, whether it be physical or emotional. I don't know about you, but for me, some of these things seem pretty hard. I think typically I can do well at being respectful of those that I have a tough time getting along with. I can spend time in a room with this person. I can treat them decently. I can hold a conversation with them. I can be respectful. But to pray for them, to bless them, to wish favor and goodness upon them, the best fortunes of life upon somebody who has hurt me deeply, that's something that is really tough to do. Am I right? But that's exactly what Christ is asking of us. We are called to love people who are different from us, who disagree with us. We are called to love sinners, people of other races and culture, people who hold different political views than us, people who decide to wear a mask or not wear a mask, whatever our preference is, and theirs is the opposite. Jesus goes on to elaborate on this command by saying, if someone slaps you on one cheek, you are to turn to them the other. If someone takes your coat, give them your shirt too. We are to respond with unexpected restraint and generosity and kindness. If someone disrespects you verbally in front of others, you are not to retaliate with words. If someone physically harms you, you are not to come back with fists swinging. Now to be clear, this is not meant to be just a passive response. Turning the cheek when someone has slapped you, turning the other side to be slapped again is not meant to just be willingly laying there waiting to be beat up. It does mean that you are responding in peace, however. You're responding with active peace. I think of Gandhi when thinking of active peace. He worked tirelessly for this. When someone was violent, he would respond in active peace with words, words that caused a calm. It, was not a, it wasn't just a silent, passive peace. It was not just being quiet against the violence. It was an unexpected restraint and kindness that transformed the encounter and exposes the injustice for what it is. 
for all to then observe it. He walked the road less traveled by. He actively, purposefully did not use violence. The call from Jesus here is to base our actions on the character of God. Jesus' followers, those who belong to the kingdom, they do not reciprocate, they do not retaliate, and they do not draw their behavior patterns on those of whom victimize them. They also do not simply reciprocate the behavior of others who acted in kindness. You're nice to me, I'm nice to you. That's not how it works. Just as one's lifestyle is not determined by the enemy, neither is it determined by the friend. We do not simply act in the same manner of others, but rather we are purposeful, we are mindful of our actions. Christian behavior and relationships are prompted by the God of whom we worship. This God does not react to anything or anyone, but rather he positively acts in love and grace to others. As people living according to the culture of the kingdom, we are, not, we are not to react to that which has been done to us. Instead, we are to act positively in love and grace towards others. Let that sink in. Not to react, but simply to act in a positive manner. Jesus continues, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Here, we are reminded that we cannot simply do as others do. This, again, is a reminder to not react in the same manner that others have acted towards us. We do not simply do something because someone has done it first. If someone loves, do we just love because we're supposed to? If someone hurts, do we just hurt them back because it's easy? It can't just be like that. We can't just reciprocate. Instead, we must choose to be purposeful and mindful with our actions. We must choose love, choose forgiveness, choose mercy. As disciples, as people of the kingdom, we are called to do something greater, to be someone greater. Remember, we are called to be counter-cultural. We are called to be different from the norm. We are called to act, not according to the actions of others, but according to the actions of our Father in heaven. It's interesting here to note the why of the command. I'm a why kind of person. Understanding the why always gives me more to join in for what we're doing. I understand the campaign or the idea if I know why. It gives me a sense of purpose. So to understand the why here is no different. Why should it be the case that the disciples of Jesus must love their enemies? See, there's no promises that are made in this action that will convert the enemy to a friend. Just because I love you and I care for you doesn't mean you're gonna start liking me any more than you did a week ago. At least I've not found that. So what is it about loving our enemies? Is it to change their behavior somehow? Do we find that in changing the, changing the way that we care for them, that they're gonna change their ways too and they're gonna be more compassionate towards us or towards someone else? Not necessarily. So what's the point of loving someone who won't necessarily love you back? 
and they won't change their ways. The answer? The eternal kingdom reward. Not necessarily the present reward, but the eternal kingdom reward. For mercy and compassion are just that. They are offering kindness to someone else, whether it is deserved or not, without expecting anything return. We cannot simply love someone if they love us in return, for that's what sinners do. Instead, we are called to a higher standard. Verse 35 offers the reason like this. For your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High God, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. All of this is demanded by virtue of God's own graciousness and mercy, because God is the God of mercy. God is the God of mercy, amen? God is kind even to the undeserving. And what that kindness, with that kindness, and that kindness must be found also in the living, in the living and breathing disciples, God's people. We must be kind as the Father is kind. We must show mercy as the Father shows mercy. We are to be seen as having the same nature as the Father. That is one of mercy, compassion, and grace. Verse 36 is truly the essence of the entire gospel, the call of which we are meant to live. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. If we follow this, everything else will fall into place. Love and show grace just as the Father does. Bring compassion into the world just as the Father does. Care for the needy and the oppressed. Actively seek peace among those that you find it hard to love. For that is exactly the type of character that the Father has. Merciful towards all. We should copy God's mercy rather than limiting love as most humans do. But how might we define this mercy? How might we see ourselves participating in the life of the kingdom as it acts out this mercy towards others? Well, mercy to some extent is showing compassion towards the other, showing kindness, love, and sympathy. But in a deeper sense, at its core, mercy is forgiveness. It's offering forgiveness and grace where it is not deserved. God sent Jesus for that very reason. While we are yet sinners, while we're still going our own way, while we didn't realize we needed to change, God actively sent Christ for us. He actively chose to forgive. Christ's death and resurrection was the ultimate act of mercy and forgiveness for our sin. Love received, different than deserved. Mercy, it is a forgiving response to wrongdoing. It is God's counter move to our sin. When we are called to offer mercy as the Father is merciful, it is a call to act in the same character of God, offering love and kindness where it's really undeserved. In other words, Mercy relinquishes control when doing so allows another person to learn and to grow. Mercy makes it his business to help others succeed. 
Mercy clears the way for others so that they can walk an even path, no matter how halting their steps or injuring their souls it may mean. We give grace and mercy. In all of these situations, mercy treats power as a sacred trust. It doesn't abuse power. One can simply have compassion and care for another who is in need. But mercy? Mercy plays in when we recognize that we have power. We have a choice to use it for the benefit of others instead of ourselves. When we recognize that we hold power because of our gender, our socioeconomic status, or any other role for any reason, then we have the power to offer compassion. We have the power to offer kindness and grace, or to not. I can be merciful because I have some sort of power that affects another person's life, if only for a moment. I act mercifully when I use my power to do kindness in this world instead of ignoring the need or causing more harm. Mercy, it gives you his seat on the bus, acting as if he was about to get up anyways, rather than making you feel like he was doing you a favor. Mercy, it does not let out that <sighs> sigh. You know that one. The wordless disapproval toward the person in the checkout line ahead of you has swiped their card again and again and again. Who can't find their coupons, whose toddler is having an uncontrollable meltdown. Mercy, it offers that quiet sympathy, and it does not convey, even in your body language, that this holdup is ruining your day. Sometimes, mercy chooses not to send back the food just because it's not right, because that waitress seems a little overwhelmed. When mercy has been wronged, the offended one does not make it difficult for the offender to apologize or ask forgiveness. In fact, Mercy does not wait for the other's actions, but forgives so quickly that that person needing forgiveness can feel so much freer asking for it. Likewise, at work, at home, or in the classroom, mercy creates an atmosphere in which a person feels safe. Safe enough to admit his mistake or ask a question. And if mercy must correct someone, it pains her to do so, as she does so gently without a vindictive relish. Mercy, it makes a habit of giving others the benefit of the doubt. It makes the habit of giving them another chance. Mercy is not in the habit of sending deadly glares at people who are annoying to us. Mercy gives charitably, knowing that eventually someone will take advantage of them, but they give it anyways. Mercy welcomes you, fully aware that this act may disrupt her own plans. And that, that is okay. God's mercy is why compassion and mercy extends even to the enemies, even to the ones that rub you the wrong way. And that, that is why one refrains from judging others. I want to make a note here about the difference between Luke's version of the sermon and Matthew's version. Here, Luke speaks of mercy, where Matthew speaks of perfection. Matthew finishes Jesus' sermon portion here with, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. 
Now this can lead at times to more legalism if one is not careful. The idea of perfection is often seen as unattainable, something that is impossible for anyone but God. Perfection can often feel like you're left empty, worthless, because you have not attained it. It comes with a regulated outward behavior model of which we must follow. Being a perfectionist myself, I can often find much pressure in the pursuit of perfection. It's an internal compass that pushes me towards skewing reality, the possible and the impossible. I must act a certain way or I fail. But Luke, Luke sets a different stance through his depiction of Jesus' sermon. He offers very different words. Be merciful. Be merciful as your father is merciful. Now that is an entirely different request, command, calling. This is manageable. This offers freedom to the one who strives to follow the rules, get the gold stars, and achieve the impossible. It breathes a sigh of relief that we are set free from this internal perfectionism clock. We can fully live into who we were intended to be instead of having to meet some kind of perfect standard. Being merciful is something that we are all capable of and doing in our own gifted way. Now for those that don't live according to this imaginary compass of perfection like myself, being offered freedom from perfection does not give you a get out of jail free card. For we are still called still called to be obedient to the master. He is still calling us to bring healing to society. We are still being called to compassion, love, mercy, and genuinity. We are simply called to do it without the shadow of perfectionism over our heads. The idea of being merciful, offering compassion and grace, it stimulates one to action and imagination of the, imp of the possibilities of healing in this world. Jesus' point was not to provide his followers with a new rule book, a list of do's and don'ts that can be checked off one by one as we then sit back satisfied at our successful moral day. Instead, the point was to illustrate an attitude, a state of being, a way of the heart, a lightness of spirit in the face of all the world and everything it can throw to you. The kingdom that Jesus preached and lived was all about this gloriously absurd generosity. When we have the freedom from this legalism of perfection, we can then conceivably think of the best thing that you can do for the worst person. And then go ahead and do it. We can then think of what we'd really like for somebody to do for us, and then we can go do it for them instead. We can think of people whom we are tempted to be really nasty towards, and we can then lavish mercy on them instead. Because we can then live into this call to be merciful. But here's the dilemma. How do we move from this natural instinct to match blow for blow and word for word? To put, one, to, to put it another way, how do we live our lives responding with grace and kindness instead of reacting with words or actions that seek to hurt and more hurt? 
How do we get to the point when we are readily responding in grace to others, living out this radical faith that Jesus demands instead of just following the crowd? The answer is threefold. One, through the abundant love and care that we receive from the Father. When we understand God's actions and treatment of us and when it flows out of his abundant love, when we understand that it flows out of who he is and his overall character, we are then better able to accept that love and to share that love to others. Two, through the assurance and forgiveness of Christ Jesus and what he gives to us. Because we have been shown mercy and forgiveness of our sins, we have then have this better understanding and appreciation for it. And then we are better able to offer forgiveness and mercy to others. Thirdly, through the wisdom and direction that is shown through the Holy Spirit and that work that is done interceding for us. It is through the work of the Holy Spirit that we are then able to seek mercy and to show mercy for others to receive. It is through these ways that we have experienced mercy and we are able to then offer it to others so that then turning the other cheek it becomes more of an act of resistance against evil and an obedience to the Father's will rather than just all the might that we can muster. And when we recognize that we have this same power to fight against evil because we have the spirit of truth within us, we are not only able to offer mercy, but we are able to run to mercy, run to compassion, offering kindness and grace more quickly. We're able to transform lives for the kingdom just as our lives were changed. Last week, I left you with this question of what kind of lifestyle are you living? Whether you would be considered blessed in the eyes of the kingdom. I asked questions about wealth and poverty, what we did with wealth, what we did with power, how we valued people. I challenged you to think about if we were truly willing to go against the norm of society and follow the culture of the kingdom. I reminded you that it would be difficult, but that it would offer a much greater reward, the eternal reward, life in the kingdom. Today's sermon is a continuation of that Sermon on the Plain, and it challenges us to treat people differently than society would treat people. But it goes further than what we did last week. It goes further into how we treat those who hurt us, who have deceived us, who have caused us to label them as enemies. It takes the calling further as it treats, as uh, it takes the calling further than just treating others well. But it specifically calls us to bless them, to pray for them. It calls us to show mercy forgiveness, and compassion to both those who treat us well as well as those who don't. My challenge, my challenge for all of us, including myself today, is to think of who that person might be in your life. Who in your life might you consider to be an enemy? Someone who rubs you the wrong way, who you could probably only spend about 15 minutes in the same room with, who's probably hurt you very deeply. How can we show mercy? How can we show forgiveness, compassion? How can we turn the other cheek? 
How can we pass on the mercy that has been bestowed upon us by the Father towards others around us? How can we live according to the culture of the kingdom and be merciful as the heavenly Father is merciful? We're gonna close out our service today singing the same song that we sang last week. Teach me your way, O Lord. The band is coming now and I'm gonna have them play this as we sing. You may sing it. As we sing, you may pray it. As we sing, take time to listen to the Father and to ask the Father to show you his ways. To whom must you show mercy this week? To whom must you forgive this week? To whom must you show compassion and kindness and active peace? How can you live according to the kingdom of heaven this week? How can we better be merciful as the heavenly father is merciful? Stand with me while we sing. Teach me your way, O Lord. Teach me your way. Your guiding grace afford. Teach me your way. Help me to walk aright. For my faith bless my sight.
comes from the prophet Micah. Hear this benediction, prayer, and blessing. May you go now in the mindset of the kingdom of heaven, acting justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with God. May you show compassion and love to all those who love you and those who hate you. May you be found blessed in the eyes of the Father, for you have chosen greater over the lesser. Go now in grace, peace, and mercy of God the Father and of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.